Match point number three for Karolina Pliskova. Forehand return from Williams is deep. Forehand from Pliskova. Into the forehand wing. Williams Williams gets this up. Forehand from Pliskova down the backhand wing. Williams is there. Pliskova goes down the middle of the court. Forehand from Williams. Let's it! Pliskova raises her arms. Puts her hand to her mouth. I don't think she can quite believe it. What a win for Karolina Pliskova. Hello and welcome to the AO Show. I'm James Parkinson. Day 10 of the Australian Open and another great day of quarterfinal action at Melbourne Park. Naomi Osaka, Karolina Pliskova, Lucas Puy and Novak Djokovic all progressing to the semi-finals. In Djokovic's case, it was Kanan Shikori retiring from the match that ended the contest in the second set, 6-1, 4-1. But on today's show, we learn what it takes to be a Lion umpire. I really love Hawkeye because your own accuracy improves. And we speak with tennis legend Daniela Hunchikova. It's a really a huge privilege. To me, tennis is the most beautiful sport. But we start with the big upset of the day. Karolina Pliskova defeating Serena Williams in three sets. Firstly, let's hear from Pliskova and her reaction on court. Um, I think she improved her game, especially in the second set. She just went for her shots. She was more aggressive. Um, I was struggling a little bit on that side. It was against the win, so it's tough to play uh, against Serena and against the win too. <laughs> so, uh, you know, she was playing very well, uh, especially at the end of the second set. She went for her shots. She was more aggressive. I played too passive, but, uh, you know, on one hand, I, I was almost in the locker room, but now I'm standing here as a winner, so I'm a little feeling. Well, Pliskova has uh, every right to be delighted. It's not every day you beat Serena Williams in a Grand Slam quarterfinal. To learn more about Karolina and what this result means, Tim Sully spoke to Nadia Vachikova. My name is Nadia Vachikova and I work for SBS Radio Czech. An outstanding game against one of the all-time champions. What are your initial thoughts? I almost cry. <laughs> it was amazing uh, to beat uh, Serena Williams. It's a big thing in his in her career as well. They uh, met four times and twice she she was able to beat her. So that's that's amazing. Serena's up five one in the final set, and Pliskova just finds something a little bit extra to uh, find her way through the semi final here at the well, Open. Uh, it was very stressful. That's that's for sure. It was uh, a really game from start to the end, and then uh, I saw that she probably injured herself a little bit in uh, feet. So, and since then she lost her uh, focus and that was a chance for Carolina and she took it. What, do you think the injury played a big role or was Carolina, uh, did I Carolina th- find another gear and actually, you know, win on her own terms? I think it was a big gear, but also she, straight fo- she stayed focused and that was the best what she could do in that moment so, and actually show us where her strength is. Tell us about the reaction back in the Czech Republic from this win. Will it be huge in the papers tomorrow? How is Carolina received back in the Czech Republic? I think it will. We have just few players, and especially right now this year, it's just a Carolina or Petra Kvitova, uh, which I hope, or everyone just uh, hope somewhere that it will be a Czech final, or it could be a Czech final, you know, it's still on a table. So, uh, so I think the reaction will be just positive. You know, Serena is a big name, as you said before. So uh, definitely, she will be filling up her pages at least for a few days. On the other hand, this is a tough defeat for Serena Williams. She did have to deal with an injury during this match. Here's what she had to say. My ankle seems to be fine. I usually don't know until the next day. So um, I think she just played lights out on match points, literally hitting lines and um, just went crazy on match points. So I don't think it was... She just played unbelievable on match points. 
I really hate calling the trainer out, to be honest. Um, and at that point, I didn't feel like I needed it or I didn't feel like it would be a big deal. So I just just kept going. You know, I like to just kind of tough it out, so to say. But yeah, it was fine. No doubt Serena will be back, but uh, this is still a shock result for many. Tim Solly spoke with Kurt Streeter to help put this into context. Kurt Streeter, I'm a staff writer at the New York Times. Kurt, fascinating match. Just a real seesawing affair. It looked at some stage through the second set that Serena was going to go down, and then that champion that we know fought back and up 5-1 in the third, and she goes on to lose the match. What are your initial thoughts? Well, the way it all, all unfolded with an injury uh, at match point, I mean, you know, I just tweeted out, uh, you know, Serena loses an epic match. When have we ever seen that before? Unbelievable match. She's 37 years of age now. She's got an 86% winning ratio on the circuit since turning pro in 1995. It's a remarkable record. And we're used to her getting out of those situations. Was it the injury that really, you know, took the toll on that match? I'd say clearly she she was very injured. I mean, there's no way I, I, I cannot see her losing that match if not for the injury. I think one of the things that was really surprising to me is that in all that time, she was clearly hobbling. She never called for a trainer, uh, which uh, if I was her coach, I would have advised her to do. But uh, that maybe speaks to Serena and how, you know, terrifically stubborn she is. She obviously won the Australian Open here a couple of years ago, went and had a daughter. She's come back. She's made two finals since then. Will we see Serena get to that pinnacle again and win another Grand Slam? As long as she's, she's playing, I will not never count out Serena, and I don't think anybody else should. I mean, she's head and shoulders uh, a better player uh, and a better athlete, I believe, overall, even at 37, than, than uh, most of the field, and she has an unbelievable self-belief. Will this be a big story back home tomorrow, and, and what will be the reaction in the States? It's going to be big news. Uh, anytime she loses, anytime she plays in a Grand Slam, People, people watch, and, and I'm talking about people who aren't even sports fans, um, but just the casual sports fan who doesn't pay any attention to tennis, they pay attention when she's playing. In the other women's singles match today, Naomi Osaka continues her great form this tournament, defeating Elena Svitolina 6-4, 6-1. Here's her reaction on court. She's a really good player, and um, it's kind of unfortunate that she got injured, but... Um, yeah, I mean, playing against her even when she was injured was still really tough. So, For me, today I just had one goal, and it was to try as hard as I can and not get angry. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't do that well in the last two rounds, so that was my only goal, and I think I did it well, so I'm really happy with how I played today. Such a humble person, Naomi, and uh, her status within the tennis world is only set to grow with uh, Serena now out of the tournament. She's likely to be many people's favourite for the title but she will have to get past Pliskova first in her way to the final. Elsewhere in the day session, Frenchman Lucas Puy defeated Milos Raonic in four sets, and he spoke about his performance after the match. I didn't have to face a breakpoint for uh, almost three hours. Uh, so even even though if I lost this, the third set, in my mind it was clear. I had to stay focused on my service game, taking care of that and then trying to, to put as many returns as I can. Uh, in the third set, I had some uh, break points. He always saved it really well with a good serve and good points. And then he made a good breaker and 
here we are. And then uh, it's a four set. I'm, st I'm still leading two sets to one, so I don't have to panic. And uh, I, re I really needed to stay positive and still doing what I what I did great for two, two hours, 30 minutes. A solid effort today for Poi, uh, a player really on the rise now and uh, into the semi-final. Tim Solly has more. David Loyo, and I'm a reporter for the French Sports Daily News L'Equipe in Paris. David, uh, tell me, Luca, he's been a he's been a number ten. Yeah. He finds himself at number thirty now. Obviously, that'll jump after after his results here. But do you think this is a, a moment in history where he'll look back and go, "This is where it clicked for me"? I hope so. I hope so for him. I hope so for him because. You know, Lucas Puig, everybody knows that he is a big talent, you know. He has a big arm, you know, a real forehand, really, really powerful, you know. And he got just, you know, to stabilize a little bit that, you know, and just to, to find a good balance, you know, between to be aggressive on the court and between to be a good defender. And I guess for against Raonic today, he, he finds that, he finds a good balance, you know. He's capable to make big returns and to be aggressive on his serve, you know. And I... If he finds this good balance, for me, he could be a top 10 player here. Tell me about Amelie Maresma. Huge success with Marion Bartoli at, at the Wimbledon. She's had some great success with Andy Murray. Yeah. Now she takes on a new player. She's yeah. been with him since December and she's already having this influence. She, she knows that big moments, you know. She knows how you get to work with that, how you get to approach, you know, that kind of game. And I guess with Luca, they got something simple. You know, the words were simple. It was just... Take pleasure on the court, play simple, you know, not to be complicated on your game, you just play simple. And Luca, you know, do that on the court right now since the beginning of the tournament. And I mean, Amelie is probably the, the, the big influence, you know, in his new game right now. People will be waking up in France now, they'll be getting the news. What will the reaction be in France at the moment? They got to be uh, wait for, you know, that kind of result in France. You know, the, the last season for the French player was were not so good, you know, for Richard Gasquet, Joe Wilfried Songa, Gael Monfils, it was really so-so, you know, they got no big result. And we are waiting for that, you know, we are waiting for a, a guy who is uh, capable, you know, to to fight with the, the top 10, top 20, you know, and... We, we, we have many expectations with Lucas, Lucas Puy since two years, you know, right now, since he made the quarterfinal in US Open, you know. And uh, they got something really exciting in France with Lucas Puy right now. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Today on The Twilight Show, the AO Radio team got talking about comebacks in tennis. Here's Bridget DeClos, Richard Evans and Matt Cronin. I think we need to get back to the basics and, and remind people of what tennis is, unlike other sports. There is no bell. Yeah. There is no whistle. Mm. There is no clock that says this match is going to end in so many seconds or so many minutes. And as my former co-writing colleague, the intellectual Davis Cupper, Alan Fox, said to me once, he said, you have to go through the nasty business of winning. You have to <laughs> yes. go over the horns and put the sword in. <laughs> there is no escape. You can't hide. You can get to match point. And if you can't mm. do that, mm. you're never going to win. Mm. And uh, that is what makes tennis such a hugely psychological game. Oh, it, it has to be and right up there makes it so difficult because a boxer, a boxer can, uh, can get the points going for him and pile up the points and then for the last two rounds he puts his gloves mm, in front of his mm. face and uh, uh, somebody rings a bell and he's won 
never tennis. happens in tennis. No. It can't happen in tennis. That's why the scoring system is so brilliant. And it what is makes the game different from any other sport. I haven't thought about that, but you're absolutely right. And you're never out of the game, are you? Never you are out of the game. In... Camping. Yeah. Even if you're way up. Mm. Way up, way up all the time. That person's like he or she is going to collapse, whatever. You have to win it. Yes. The only thing you can do... Mm. You can make a couple errors, then you'll say, whoops, uh-oh, I'm still here. What am I going to do? Mm. Mm. Uh, it was one of the best comebacks I've seen, especially because it was against Serena. And what was the one you mentioned? Are there any others you can think of that have really stuck out in your mind? I mean, look, Nishikori had a pretty good one in his last round coming back, um, mm. you know, from two sets down. That's pretty mm. extraordinary too. Yeah. You know? um, so, look, they're, they're, they're definitely out there. But that was quite an extraordinary game of tennis. There's no doubt about that. It, it's a, in, in the men's game, of course, you get the chance to come back from a long way in the best of five-set format because you can be two sets to da- down and everybody says, oh, the match is over, but it isn't. You now have to produce. You've got to get that first serve in. You've got to hit that return. And uh, it, uh, whether you can do it the way you want to is all about the psychology of uh, the match and where the match is and what has happened in the previous hour or so. Throughout the Open so far, we've looked at various jobs around the tournament, including those on court, and one of the most unique, I think, has to be the line umpires, a role that requires quick decision-making and 20-20 vision. My name is Hannah. I'm one of the line officials at the Australian Open. Tell me how long you've been doing this for now and just to some experiences along the way. Uh, so 10 years. I've been very lucky, very uh, fortunate. I've, well, I got the opportunity to umpire at overseas Grand Slams also, so Roland Garros and Wimbledon. You just get to travel the world with it. You meet a lot of people from all over the globe. And very unique experience. What is the culture like down here between the line umpires? Really friendly. Uh, everyone, it's, it's great. You know, every morning uh, you come in and there's always someone to have a chat with. And do you have any idea how many umpires are here at the Open? Maybe, uh, don't quote me, but I, probably around 300. But it gets cut down as there are less uh, matches to service. It's a very good guess. I know last year here at the Open they had 383. Really? So ah. I was testing your trivia. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at trivia, so I'm glad I got within 100 <laughs> of the mark. Tell me about the introduction of Hawkeye. You must feel sometimes that it undermines your your call. What's it like to make that call and think, I've made the right call, then they send it up for a challenge, and you're sitting there waiting. What, what, what's going on in your mind in that moment? <laughs> well, actually, I really love Hawkeye. Uh, I think it's really great because... Um, I think the, your own accuracy improves with Hawkeye because it's kind of, I think it's, it's very accurate. There are some times when you, make, when you make the wrong call, but you knew that you made the wrong call and Hawkeye will show that. Uh, so when you're waiting for the image coming through, you're, you're like a bit like, a bit resigned because you, you, know you know that you've probably made, you've made an error. But it's also very affirmative. Like when you know you've made a good call and it was tight and then it confirms that, you feel really good. So yeah, it goes both ways. How do you get selected to do the big finals at the end of the tournament? Yeah, so um, you're, yeah, you're getting evaluated every single time you do a session. So um, it's all, it all gets tabulated. And then um, the ones that have the highest point average, 
they make the they make the cuts. And how are you tracking this year? Are, you, are we <laughs> hoping that, to see you in the final maybe this well, year? Well, I've no idea, no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, you kind of um, you find out after the tournament finishes. You know, just just you know, keep focused. Just keep doing what you got to do, and then whatever happens, happens. <laughs> Good luck. Hope to see you out there in the final. Great. Thanks, Tim. Lastly today, we check in with another legend of the game. This time, it's Daniela Hunchakova. Daniela, thoughts and feelings about being back at the Open? Oh, it feels amazing always to be back down under. I couldn't wait. I just got here this morning, actually. Um, so, no, it's, a, it's, it's the best time of the year, actually. I've been always saying that when I still play it, because uh, everyone's fresh, ready uh, to start the season. And uh, I just love Australia, so I'm super happy to be back. Tell me, there's a lot of technology now, a lot of changes in the game. Is there things that are happening now out there that you wish you had back in the day when you were playing? Not really. I'm actually a very um, old-style kind of person, so I like the way you know things has been working in tennis for many years. Uh, maybe with the analysis stuff for the players, you know, like now... Uh, every all the access that the coaches have to to see exactly how we play, maybe that could have been useful. I don't know. I just no. I I think I I like the tennis that has been the way it's been for the last I don't know how many times of years. You finish now, obviously a legend of the sport. Looking back as a legend at at your early stages of your career, is there some advice you could give some of these young players out on court now, looking back at your career? Um, yeah, definitely to appreciate it, what they do, because, you know, it's only maybe, what, 200 players, people in the world that get to do this, and it's a really a huge privilege. Um, to me, tennis is the most beautiful sport, so um, uh, so that they can appreciate it and, and really enjoy it and not take anything for granted, because the real life, it's completely different. And, uh, you know, just maybe sometimes slow down, and when they have a good result, really really uh, digest that and not to rush from one tournament to another. And what are some of the greatest memories for you here at Melbourne Park? Oh, definitely reaching the semis and uh, winning the grand, uh, the mixed doubles and making it to the finals of, uh, of uh, women's doubles. Um, yeah, had some great results, but more than that, it's uh, how much fun we always used to have in the city and uh, great restaurants, great cafes and... Uh, just the whole atmosphere of the place is amazing. And which of the le- these legends here today are you really looking forward to hang out with and catch up with? Oh, look, it's such an honour. Um, you know, like, I'm the youngest one, I guess, with Kim Kleister. So it's, it's really a privilege to, to, to be able to spend time with them on and off the court. Obviously, we do a lot of TV stuff together as well. And uh, it would be actually fun to, to play mixed doubles, uh, too. I'm, we've been saying that for some time now. Um, I think the fans would enjoy that too. So, yeah, let's see. Um, but, you know, it's just a really a nice nice week to have. Great to chat. Yep, no worries. And that will do it for Day 10. Thank you so much for listening. We're really at the business end now. I'll talk to you again on Day 11. <laughs>